It's the Media Buzz Meter with Howard Kurtz. Back in the day, Donald Trump used to make a lot of news in the world of sports. I'm sure you remember that. It really began in his first year as president when he weighed in heavily uh, against the anthem protest, taking a knee in the National Football League, uh, ripping the players, saying they shouldn't even be allowed to do this, siding with the owners, at least the owners that... Um, were opposed to these anthem protests, which later spread to the NBA. Uh, and then the players sometimes would retaliate because if they would win the championship in their sport, they would refuse to come to the White House, or some of them would refuse to come to the White House, for including uh, the Golden, Golden State Warriors and Steph Curry, uh, for the ritual you know, meeting with the president. Now you have Joe Biden weighing in in the world of sports. To my mind, in the first time, uh, since he has taken uh, over the White House. So let's make that story number one. Biden giving an interview yesterday to ESPN, to Sports Center. I was a little surprised by this just because, you know, Joe Biden seems very conventional in terms of who he talks to and how he rolls it out when he calls on reporters. He's got the note card with their names listed. Uh, I think it's smart to appear on a variety of networks, shows, podcasts, whatever. I, I, I hope he does more of it. But he made some news in this ESPN interview. He went on SportsCenter, talked to co-host Sage Steele. And it had to do with the voting rights controversy, and in particular, the law in Georgia that Biden, Democrats, liberals have repeatedly denounced, just signed uh, by Governor Brian Kemp last week, uh, which, depending on which version you buy, uh, there's no question it would uh, limit uh, voting hours, uh, in many cases, they couldn't be extended after 5 o'clock. There is the disputed provision about can you bring water or food to people who are waiting online for hours, and whether that's just within 150 feet, uh, and whether that's just limited to third-party groups, but it became sort of a symbol. Uh, fairly or unfairly, it almost reminds me of during the Reagan administration when the school lunch program under Ronald Reagan declared that ketchup would be considered a vegetable. And there was this huge uproar. It was seen as this heartless thing, like kids can't even get vegetables. they got to rely on ketchup. And it was that sort of symbolic note. Uh, and there are other aspects of the Georgia law having to do with voter ID and mail registration, mail voting, I should say, uh, that are controversial as well. So in the Sports Center interview, President Biden says, I think today's professional athletes are acting incredibly responsibly. I would strongly support them doing that. What he's talking about here is there is a move uh, in Major League Baseball to move the All-Star game from Atlanta this coming season. I guess we're almost at opening day here uh, because of the state of Georgia's new voting, some the critics would call it voting restriction law, voting rights law. Um, and a lot of the players don't want to play the All-Star game in Atlanta for this very reason. So just the contrast here between a, the former president, who would uh, very often criticize the players as sort of overpaid and irresponsible and unpatriotic and side with the owners. Here we have the new president saying, yeah, the players are doing the right thing. He would love to see the All-Star game moved out of Atlanta. Remember, Biden won Georgia, so it's not like he, I mean, he won it by a very narrow margin, but it's not like he's an incredibly unpopular guy there. He's trying to send a message to the other states that are considering such laws, because it's not just MLB. There are a number of uh, corporations, big brand name corporations in Georgia, that are also vociferously speaking out against this new set of voting restrictions and revisions. 
In this interview, Biden also talked about the NBA. There's some precedent here. The NBA, back in 2017, Trump's first year, moved its All-Star game out of Charlotte after the North Carolina legislature passed a bill uh, that restricted the rights or critics said discriminated against transgender people. So uh, uh, Biden telling ESPN, the very people who are victimized the most are the people who are real leaders in these very sports. And it's just not right. This is Jim Crow on steroids, what they're doing there in Georgia and 40 other states, referring to uh, Republicans making this push in other states as well. I didn't realize it was that high. I thought it was about two dozen. Um, So Biden is a Phillies fan, obviously growing up uh, in Delaware, not that far from Pennsylvania. And he says, um, also in this interview, he goes after the Texas Rangers on COVID grounds. So the Texas Rangers uh, have, uh, are going to open their season on Monday, home opener against the Toronto Blue Jays. And they plan, the, the, ball, uh, the ball club, uh, which of course George W. Bush was once part owner of, um, plans to open it to full capacity. As many people can show up or they can sell tickets, will be able to be in that stadium. Many other baseball franchises are opening up to fans for the first time. Remember last year, almost no fans were allowed in just about anywhere with some modified exceptions. Um, but with limits, with you know uh, social distancing, but Texas is going for it. So, um, well, that's a decision they made. I think it's a mistake, Biden said. They said, listen to Fauci, the scientists and the experts. But I think it's not responsible. I don't see the Rangers changing this. Uh, MLB, the players union chief, uh, is saying that uh, they're going to have a conversation with the league about having the game in Atlanta. So now you have a president who is taking a very different approach to professional sports. I mean, add a lot of other things. I could go down the list, but it's just interesting uh, the way in which uh, Biden weighing in here on ESPN. Number two, the strange, surreal, hard to grasp Matt Gates investigation continues to be hard to decipher. But the Washington Post has advanced the story somewhat. Remember the backstory here? Uh, if you haven't been following this, if you didn't hear the podcast yesterday, New York Times says the DOJ is investigating uh, Republican Congressman Matt Gates of Florida, big Donald Trump ally, uh, on charges of potential allegations of sex trafficking having to do with whatever relationship he had with a girl who was then 17 years old, whether he uh, paid for her uh, to cross state lines. That's where the federal trafficking statute comes into uh, play. Um, And um, he is denying it. Uh, He's saying he was generous with ex-girlfriends, not getting into specifics on this particular 17-year-old girl. And then he kind of muddied the waters by saying in public statements and on Tucker Carlson's show uh, that he and, and his dad were the target of an extortion plot um, by somebody who was demanding $25 million uh, in exchange for getting this investigation dropped at a time when the investigation was not public. None of us knew about it. So here's the new developments. Um, the Washington Post explaining that uh, two men approached Matt Gates's father, whose name is Don Gates, who's a former Florida state senator. They had learned about this still secret investigation, and they wanted to offer an opportunity to help his son. According to people familiar with the matter, he could give a huge 
sum of money. Apparently, Don Gates is a very wealthy guy, founded some major company. Um, and so if he gave a huge sum of money, this I think is a reference to the $25 million, to their effort to locate the longest-held American hostage in Iran, whose name is Robert Levinson, um, if that was a success, he, the Gates family, and presumably Matt Gates, would win public favor and help alleviate Matt Gates's legal problems. But Don Gates uh, viewed the communication suspiciously, said the Post, um, and uh, he feared that this was an extortion attempt, and he contacted the FBI. Uh, now, the people who approached Don Gates, according to these sources, had no apparent connection to the sex crimes investigation of his son. So, you know, other than the fact that they somehow found out about it while it was still secret, so I don't know what they could have done, even if the Gates family wanted to play along to somehow put an end to this Department of Justice investigation. Um, the congressman saying this is rooted in an extortion effort against my family for $25 million. Washington Examiner publishing a text message and a document today, uh, appearing to show that a guy who's a former Air Force intelligence analyst told Matt Gates' father, uh, in a text in the middle of March, that he had a plan that could make Gates's quote, future legal and political problems go away. Uh, he gave him a proposal called Project Homecoming. And um, it said, our strategy for Congressman Gates to mitigate his legal political troubles would be for him or someone else to arrange the funds required to obtain the immediate release of Robert Levinson from captivity in Iran. In exchange for the funds being arranged and upon release of Robert Levinson, Congressman Gates shall be given credit for facilitating the release of Mr. Levinson. Therefore, uh, he would be something of a hero. Therefore, maybe he wouldn't be prosecuted. Maybe Joe Biden would, would pardon him. I mean, it's a pretty far-fetched scheme. But it's also clear that Matt Gates was not completely making this up, that they were approached, uh, that his dad did offer to wear a wire for the FBI and may have done so, that there is paper showing that they got this offer, uh, whether they wanted uh, 25 million outright or a loan. Um, now, that doesn't mean the, these may be two separate matters that just sort of came together. It, it, the fact is, as far as we can tell, Congressman Gates has been under investigation for months, going back to the final months of the Trump Justice Department on these sex trafficking allegations. Now, that may not be true. He hasn't been charged. He may never be charged. Uh, and you could say, well, he's trying to get himself off the hook by pointing to this extortion attempt. But the extortion attempt is not a figment of his imagination. It does appear to be real based on this latest information. So the whole thing is a muddle. And one footnote here, since it's getting some play around the web, you know, I mentioned in yesterday's podcast that before this all came out, uh, there were stories saying that Gates was considering resigning his house seat to take a job with Newsmax. And Newsmax said, well, we didn't make him an offer, but apparently they were talking. Um, Fox News was asked, well, would you hire Matt Gates?" And a Fox News spokesperson said that nobody in any position authority had discussed any kind of job with Gates and, quote, we have no interest in hiring him. So it, not, it's, there was no previous indication that Fox had any interest in hiring Gates. Uh, but just to be clear, uh, Fox has kind of slammed that door. Don't go anywhere. More Buzzmeter coming your way in just a moment. Okay, number three. 
So yesterday I talked at length, and I have a whole column on this today on foxnews.com about the gushing media coverage of Joe Biden's $2 trillion infrastructure plan and how, I mean, CNN was just, you know, he's the next FDR, he's got FDR in his office, he's a transformative president. Um, And the New York Times had all of these paragraphs and paragraphs about all the incredible things that would be accomplished by this $2 trillion, Amtrak, school buses, broadband, climate change, clean energy, uh, roads, bridges, tunnels, you name it. And I was critical because what I said was, and some outlets were more upfront about this, like this thing may not is not going to pass in anything resembling $2 trillion, and it may not pass at all. So today, the New York Times, which had had like a one-paragraph reference to the fact that it might be an uphill battle, has a whole bunch of stories saying, you know, this is controversial. Wow, this may not pass. Like, everybody knew that yesterday. It didn't come out of the blue. They've been signaling, the White House had been signaling this for months. So one New York Times headline, Biden infrastructure plan meets skepticism, signaling fight to come. Well, where was that skepticism yesterday? It's almost like they were high on the prospect of all this federal money uh, leaving aside the question of who's going to pay for it, I'll get into that, uh, coming from the president. And then today is the hangover, like, well, I don't know. It seemed like a good idea yesterday. Republicans on Capitol Hill began lining up Wednesday against President Biden's $2 trillion infrastructure plan and the tax increases he proposed to finance it. Even as some Democrats suggested the package was insufficient to address the country's aging infrastructure and vulnerabilities to climate change. While most Democrats showered praise on Biden, the critique from members of both parties illustrated that the legislation is unlikely to sail through this Congress with widespread support from both sides. You think? I mean, remember, this is a 50-50 Senate. Joe Manchin single-handedly can blow this up or demand all kinds of changes. And all of this stuff is was public knowledge yesterday. And it's almost like the Times woke up the editors said, well, gee, maybe we overplayed this a little bit. So let's, let's have four new stories about this, and I'll, I'll get into some of the other ones. Uh, Republicans scoffed at the breadth of the plan, which includes traditional public works projects as well as far-reaching initiatives to tackle climate change and racial inequities in the economy, and condemned Biden's determination to pay for it with corporate tax increases. Again, this was not a national security secret yesterday. Um, top Republican on the Transportation Committee, Sam Graves, uh, in the House says we cannot begin thinking of bills that spend trillions as the new normal. Yeah. Uh, the Progressive Caucus, uh, the chairwoman there, Pramila Jayapal, said it was a welcome first step, but we need so much more. What, $2 trillion isn't enough? Where's this money coming from? Another New York Times story. It's going to be a tough bet. To Biden, the $2 trillion plan is about creating union jobs, hundreds of thousands of them, in wind and solar power, electric cars, and road and bridge building. Um, And Biden said in his speech in Pittsburgh, I am a union guy. I support unions. Unions built the middle class. About time you start to get a piece of the action. Uh, But then the piece goes on to say that in Michigan, auto workers know it takes fewer of them to build an electric car. Joe Manchin uh, understands that coal miners in his state would earn considerably less putting up wind turbines. Um, and on and on about unions being worried about a loss of jobs before this transition to the so-called clean energy jobs. I mean, this bill also includes uh, a lot of money, $174 billion, to encourage Americans to switch to electric cars. 
which obviously would be a great thing overall in terms of the pollution, the environment, and everything else. But we're talking about vehicles that make up 2% of the market, 1% of all cars, by the way. And they cost or can cost up to $10,000 more than, you know, gasoline-powered cars and trucks. There aren't enough charging stations and on and on. Uh, here's National Review with a conservative viewpoint. Uh, not very much liking this bill, as you might imagine. There are major th- three major things to keep in mind. Biden's proposal is extremely expensive. Yeah. Our infrastructure is not crumbling for want of federal dollars. I suppose that's debatable. And Biden's payment plan involves tax hikes that will damage the economy, harm the middle class Americans Biden has vowed to shield, and eat up revenue sources that could, if nothing else, be put to better use fixing the existing deficit. Well, I mean, that's the classic conservative versus liberal argument over the role of government that's gone on for many decades now. You know, we're running a big deficit. Do you, If there's extra money, do you use it to lower the deficit and lower our borrowing costs, or do you use it to spend money on you know, what are called, quote, improvements in these infrastructure projects. Look, when you get down to it, you know, uh, Congress is a a place where uh, the pork barrel kind of rules. So even if you're a Republican from, you know, Utah or North Dakota or Florida, whatever, you know, suddenly you can tell your constituents, we're going to fix this bridge, we're going to put in this new highway, it can be a little more attractive. But then comes the question of how you pay for it. So National Review says, you know, this isn't even the first big bill. You add the COVID bill and the next spending bill that Biden wants. We could be talking $6 trillion, $18,000 for every man, woman, and child, above and beyond our normal spending. And this is the point I was trying to make yesterday. I mean, you can't just endlessly spend trillions of dollars that you don't have. Now, National Review goes on to say the physical condition of interstate highways has actually improved in recent decades. And, you know, with some exceptions, um, it's not like every bridge or tunnel in America is crumbling. Uh, Instead, Biden should focus on streamlining the regulatory process that makes it so expensive to build anything. Uh, Okay, good luck with that. Number four, Sarah Palin announcing today that she has tested positive for COVID-19. And... She wants Americans to view her diagnosis as proof that anyone can catch this. She, of course, was the 2008 Republican VP nominee, former Alaska governor. She tells People magazine that her 12-year-old son, Trigg, began exhibiting symptoms. Uh, She said that she lost a sense of taste and smell, which she knew were unmistakable COVID um, symptoms. That day, I finally tested positive, like millions of other Americans, Palin said. As confident as I'd like to be about my own health, and despite my joking that I'm blessed to constantly breathe in the most sterile, frozen air, my case is perhaps one of those that proves anyone can catch this, and sadly, that remains the case. Almost 1,200 Americans died of COVID-19 yesterday. So while we're all encouraged by the fact that more, more vaccines are being administered and that the rates in many places are coming down, this is not over, folks. Uh, in fact, and I'm surprised there hasn't been a, a, a mishap like this before, up to 15 million doses of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine have now uh, caused the company to stop production because of a mishap by a subcontractor in Baltimore mixing two different vaccines together accidentally. And so that could take, I mean, that could be a setback. That's a lot of doses to take out of production if they were you know, fatally contaminated. Meanwhile, 
Um, it's, it's very different depending on where you live. Connecticut, New Jersey, New York, and other northeastern states reporting high levels of cases. Uh, upticks in Illinois, Michigan, some of the Midwestern states, but in much of the South and West, numbers are relatively low. California is reporting declines. This is according to the New York Times. Arizona is averaging 550 cases a day, down from more than 10,000. So I can see where, you know, governors have to make these decisions. I mean, if, you, if the rates are really low in your state, then you want to be more aggressive in opening up. And if the rates are coming back in your state, then you want to be a little more cautious. Number five, Andrew Cuomo, big New York Times piece about his book. Apparently his book, you remember his book about uh, leadership during the coronavirus before the whole nursing home death scandal erupted, and of course all the allegations of uh, sexual harassment that the governor is now fighting. Well, the New York Times says that the high offer for Cuomo's book um, from Crown Publishing, $4 million. The New York Times also says that uh, uh, his top aide, Melissa DeRosa, uh, did a lot on this book. She attended video meetings with publishers. She helped him edit early drafts of the book. Uh, even as she and others were dealing with the state health department and, and suppressing, I don't think there's any other word for it, suppressing the number of nursing home deaths from COVID-19. And this didn't come out until months later. And this is part of you know what's being investigated as part of the impeachment probe in Albany. So at the same time, they were pitching this book helping him write this book, helping him produce this book. They were at the same time refusing to make public the fact that there were nearly twice as many deaths from COVID in nursing homes or patients who had been in nursing homes than the state of New York was publicly acknowledging. Now, um, Cuomo also turned to people from his inner circle and also like younger aides, you know, lower level people for help with the manuscript. For example... Top aides of the governor asked assistants on two different occasions to print portions of the drafts of the book, deliver them to Cuomo at the executive mansion where he lives. So emails obtained by the Times and an early draft indicate the governor was writing it as early as mid-June, relying on a cadre of trusted aides and junior staffers for everything from full-scale edits to minor clerical work, which, of course, could run afoul of state laws prohibiting the use of public resources for personal gain. Yeah, I mean, it is true that that the state says some of these people were volunteering their their own time. It is also true that Governor Cuomo uh, said he will devote a significant portion of the money to charity, but not all of it. But here's the best part of the story. Uh, The draft includes a three-page attack, and this is a cut from the final version of the published book, against Bill de Blasio. Uh, the New York mayor and frequent antagonist of the governor. Uh, Blasio was, Cuomo called de Blasio as as an opportunist who has very little interest or aptitude for government policy, government operations. Wait, my popular rating in New York City has always been higher than his, Cuomo wrote. He said Blasio is viewed as one of the worst mayors in modern history who suffers from obvious ego-driven narcissism. Wait for it. Three, two, one. Okay, well, I guess that phrase might apply to others. I don't know. You make up your own mind. De Blasio's standing is somewhere between negative and irrelevant, wrote Andrew Cuomo. He said he is just as a, he is just annoying and counterproductive. Trump is a serious threat. Somehow, the governor decided that trashing the mayor in that fashion might not be Best idea, although, look, they've been going at it publicly for a long time, 
And de Blasio, I think, is quoted in this story as, you know, calling Cuomo a bully and obviously exacting a small measure of revenge. All right, we're going to pack an extra one here. Story number six from The Atlantic, the lead. What the hell is Amazon doing? Now, I've mentioned on the podcast before that Amazon has been using its official Twitter account. This is very un-Amazon-like, apparently on orders from Jeff Bezos. No one has denied that. To really go after uh, its critics in a snarky way, and this includes Elizabeth Warren, this includes Bernie Sanders and others, the Atlantic story takes a, a broader look at corporations and messaging in the social media era. So, for example, Amazon's bravado was startling for its message because it represents a departure from expected online corporate behavior. Brands have been evolving from public relations automatons, you know, to your cool friends. Uh, when Walmart posts about a moment of zen brought to you by our spring stock-up essentials, it's just doing vanilla-flavored marketing, says the magazine. But when Slim Jim, the beef stick company, sasses Steakums, the frozen beef sheet seller, over supposedly subliminal 69s, I don't know anything about this, uh, it's striving to embody a personality that might resonate with customers. In other words, corporations uh, are coming into the social media era and trying to be cool, to act hip to make you laugh, to think that, you know, it's not just, uh, you know, here's our latest product and it's on sale this week for four ninety nine. Um, but the author of this uh, Atlantic piece, not so much of a fan. Um, in fact, Amazon was being so aggressive on Twitter that one of its officials uh, filed a complaint or a uh, request for investigation thinking the Twitter feed must have been hacked. It is shocking to see a company act like an online troll. Well, maybe not so shocking. Um, it's long past time that citizens stop construing online brands and the companies their messages represent as clever human interlocutors, be they catty or chatty. Uh, Amazon's weird behavior is liberating us from the affliction. I didn't know we had an affliction, but apparently we do. Of building affable relationships with corporations. It's a reminder that although companies have basically become people in our lives, those people might very well be a-holes. This is not my take, but I think it's interesting. Uh, and then you can see where this is going. Amazon might be the best standard bearer for the concept of an evil corporation. And it goes through all these terrible things that Amazon has done, the way it treats its workers and so forth. Given all the rest of it, isn't it a little coy to gasp when the company talks nasty on Twitter. But, you know, I, I mean, everybody is snarky and funny and nasty on Twitter, be it, you know, people you work with, politicians, Donald Trump when he was on Twitter. Uh, I mean, look, I'm painting with a broad brush and not everybody does this, but at the same time. Um, you know, we think of corporations as, you know, it used to, they used to have these iconic images like General Electric, we bring good things to life. And, uh, you know, but we're not in that era anymore. We're in the era when the CEOs are personalities and sometimes tabloid figures in their own right. I mean, the old example of a celebrity CEO is Lee Iacocca of Chrysler. He appeared in all the commercials trying to turn around that car company, which he ultimately did. But the new CEOs are who? Mark Zuckerberg, Jack Dorsey, Jeff Bezos. I mean, the tech company CEOs obviously get the most play, the most publicity, because their lives and their challenges are more interesting 
than, you know, the head of IBM. It's just the way it is. And so their own personal branding becomes the branding of the company in a way that wasn't as true before social media. And then the branding of the company on social media. Remember, you know, remember when we were all amazed that you that you could say, uh, you know, I can't uh, board my flight uh, because they won't recognize my ticket, Delta or whatever it was. And then they would, Delta, some guy from Delta would respond on Twitter and then you'd get help. Um, you know, it became a way for corporations to deal, instead of calling up and being put on hold endlessly, to deal with people's complaints. And it's a way to market and it's a way to seem hip. And sometimes they go too far with these marketing campaigns and they have to apologize, but it still accomplishes the goal of getting the name out there. You want to be talked about, even if it's too controversial. So I, too, am wondering what the hell is going on in Amazon at this piece uh, takes a look at, you know, using Amazon as, as a punching bag, as an example of co- companies in this era. If you're not doing your thing on Instagram or on Facebook or on Snap or on Twitter, um, you're hopelessly 20th century. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you have a really good day. Remember, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, all kinds of places. You can just get this on your Amazon device. We'll see you tomorrow with more Buzzbeat. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com.